Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. We don't have a guest this week and I don't have a planned solo show, so I thought I'd do something I haven't done in a while, which is an unplanned solo show, where I too long didn't read the off-season information, takes positions I have so far established, found, the way I'm looking at 2023, just before the season really gets here, as a preseason just gets underway. Um, so yeah, if you haven't been able to check out every YouTube video, every article I've written, I'm going to include at least most of that information in this 30-minute episode without trying to bore you to death. So, next week we have a great guest lined up, so we're going to change up the move order here in the crossroads just before the season begins, and let's get to it. Do you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the watchers and so, as always, the offseason began with rookie evaluations and really assessing where this class fit in in terms of the historical hit rates and greatness that we've seen from the rookie classes of late. Now, to my surprise, despite the fact that we've had a really good series of rookie classes, I actually ended up really liking the 2023 class to the point that I made several YouTube videos and wrote a few articles about how I thought people were underselling it because of disappointment based on the amount of hype that had been forced on the class for the last two years. And so that produced a really interesting value landscape. Now, despite my best efforts, my favorite players from this year's class are not the ones I have ranked highest above ADP right now, according to DLF ADP versus my ranks. In fact, Quinton Johnson actually ends up being my highest rookie value. I have him ranked about 44th overall in Dynasty ADP, which I feel is pretty strong as wide receiver 19, but I thought based on his overall profile and his landing spot that we could expect immediate good things from a rookie wide receiver with Justin Herbert, and I thought, I, I think that warrants a top 50 pick overall. In ADP, he's been taken around 72 overall, so so not too dissimilar when you get relative to um, how much investment people are actually making in startup drafts, but it still creates a 20% logarithmic difference according to my ranks versus value calculation. My next value, uh, according to ADP, is Josh Downs, a player that I actually liked in the mid-second round pick. And again, if you want to hear any of my rookie evaluations, they're all still available on YouTube. If you don't want to turn up on the Dynasty Grind and ask me about them specifically, and all my ranking notes and ranking data is literally pinned to my timeline everywhere that I have a timeline, including what is now Twitter. Um, so you can see my ranks and exactly where I'm at on, on all of them, as well as looking at the ranking sheets, which is behind the Patreon wall, just so that you know. But to my surprise, I actually end up liking Quinton Johnson a lot more than most sharp players in ADP right now even when it's versus DLF ranks. Josh Downs, I expected to be higher on the most. I really like him as the first wide receiver I am interested in after that cluster of second-tier running backs with Roshan Johnson and, and Condre Miller, Tank Bigsby, Devin A-Chain, and, and Tajay Spears probably comes after my wide receiver tier. But again, you can check out the exact rankings um, in my stuff, in my stuff. After that, it drops off some of my deeper wide receiver shots. If a team is just built to sustain, based on my roster construction process I just put out on YouTube, and um, wide receivers that deep, I think A.T. Perry is actually one of the more interesting deeper ads in like the fourth or fifth round of a dynasty rookie draft. I know most Dynasty rookie drafts have happened, but we're talking about the too long didn't read version of the offseason. I have ranked about 67th overall, which does feel pretty strong as a positional rank. And 177th overall in ADP, though, so I'm taking him after most of my running back shots and after most of my tight end shots that deep. 
Now, my two players, I don't want... The three players I don't want to leave a draft without in rookie drafts this year, if I can help it, is Jackson Smith, Nick Jigba, Jordan Addison, and like everyone else, Bajoram Robinson. But when you compare how I feel about them in startups, those are the three that stand out the most. Jordan Anderson actually comes in fourth. I have him ranked 41st overall in, a, in my overall ranks and 57th overall compared to in ADP, which puts me one positional rank higher than Jordan Anderson. Again, we're 57 to 41 relative to the expected value of a pick in a startup draft isn't so strong. It's not measuring in as difference making enough compared to Quentin Johnson and Josh Downs. But I do want to highlight that those are the players I'm really interested in this year's rookie class. Outside of that, A.T. Perry, I think Kenny McIntosh, very deep in a draft, just adding those running backs in the fourth or fifth round. Sean Tucker as well. And then the second tier of running backs are really interesting to me. Rashawn Johnson in the early second round, Tank Bigsby, even Evan Hull, who goes a bit deeper into the fourth round again, and Deuce Vaughn all stand out in my ranks and continue to, even though we're into August at this point with ADP. A wide receiver, my deeper wide receivers outside of AT Perry, uh, Xavier Hutchinson, again, Skinny but tall, but in Houston with an interesting production profile and yards per route run and also receiving yards per team pass attempt relative to his ADOT and his slot rate. And again, his ADOT on slot rate buckets are actually produced relatively few NFL hits for fantasy. But I think based on his overall ADP and the fact he was above average in most production metrics while playing in the Big 12 makes him somewhat interesting for, again, for a team that can sustain that level of wide receiver depth. Keyshawn Butte is the next guy I have on my list, and he's garnered some preseason hype, so I'm imagining he will continue to fall down my value list. But I have him ranked around 176th overall in a startup, and he's 211th overall in ADP. And again, I have all this broken down by if it was a rookie draft as well, using ADP to create a rookie big board. Um, to show you some of that as well on my ranking sheet. For right now, Keyshawn Booty's ADP puts him around about the 38th rookie taken in ADP, which puts him in the very early start of the fourth round of a 12-team startup draft, while I have him ranked around 29th overall as a rookie, which puts him in the in the middle of the third round overall, which gives me half a round difference right when ADP starts to get very wacky based on what you can expect in your league. So, I expect a lot of good things from this year's rookie class. I'm especially interested in the very top of the running back landscape and wide receiver landscape in this draft. I think it's very easy to separate out the the two best at each position. Quarterback landscape is actually really important based on my ranks versus ADP season. All our season ranks have been suggesting we really need to make decisions at both quarterback and tight end in this rookie class. So, Looking at the quarterback landscape, I actually end up being rather high on CJ Stroud if I'm going to target a guy, um, just based on ADP, because I think he's being undersold. I think he's as likely to do good things in the NFL as Bryce Young, who I also like a lot. I have him ranked as the 12th overall quarterback in a Superflex right now, which is a strong position I feel to take on a rookie. But I have CJ Stroud as a 13th. I consider them fairly inseparable in terms of their range of outcomes and how likely they are to hit in the NFL based on draft capital and the little bit of profile work I do right now. The market, of course, has been over-enamored, I think, by Anthony Richardson. I have him ranked as a 16th quarterback, trying to take advantage of the fact that people are going all in on a low odds bet. Now, as Zach Reed in the Dynasty Grind points out every time I bring this up on the Dynasty, uh, on our weekly live stream, 
he has more upside in this class than anyone else, and that includes Bashan Robinson, even though he's the most likely to enter that elite tier of value in Dynasty overall, so long as he can be even 75% of what we expect from his rookie profile. But Anthony Richardson has Josh Allen in terms of value and points in his range of outcomes, and there is no higher upside in the Superflex, at least, than that. Um, and so I understand people being really high on him, especially in rookie drafts. But personally, I know as little as possible about quarterback evaluation. And that makes his lack of volume or proven passing ability in college more of a low odds bet for me. And so I'm willing to take the hit and readjust after the rookie season if he's able to do something that would be fairly amazing. And I'm rooting for it of him actually showing that development as a passer at least to the competence level that he can sustain production with his legs and move the ball down the field through the passing game as needed. At the tight end position, the guy I like the most relative to ADP is still Sam Laporta. I have him ranked as 11th ranked tight end overall, and so does ADP, but I'm willing to take him a few spots higher. Frankly, ADP has been very sharp on the rookie tight end class this year. We can all kind of know it's a really interesting class to take shots on in our rookie drafts, and so there's not a lot of clear separation. My overall ranks have it Kincaid, Laporta, then Michael Meyer, but I don't see a lot of separation between Kincaid and Laporta, and so I've ended up with Laporta quite a lot in rookie drafts when available because Don Kincaid often goes in that late first round which is a bit dicey for me even though it is a range between the mid first round to the mid second round in terms of overall shots I want to take but I'm much more likely to lean heavy into a running back or a late round, first round quarterback, even in a 1QB, than I am to take a tight end when I know Sam Laporta is available in the next tier of value, where I can trade into or use my other rookie pick to try and take a shot in Sam Laporta. Deeper down the draft chart, um, actually doesn't show up in ADP very much, but I like Josh Weil as a really deep if your roster can sustain it, look for value at tight end type of move. Okay, so again, you can check out a lot more of my rookie content on YouTube or in my articles on Patreon or DLF. But the next series of the offseason moved into breakouts. Me trying to establish what we should expect from the 2023, 2023 season in terms of who is going to break out and what positions are going to do for us based on the trends of the last three years. Now, as I said, the wide receiver position has been pretty hot lately. We've had 50, 41, 41, and 33% of breakouts into the top 12 at wide receiver over the last four years. Now, the average is around 37%, or in other words, we get about four breakouts, players finishing inside the top 12 for the first time in overall ranks every year. But the average moves up and down. For example, in 2018, the year before 2019, right when this big surge happened, we had 25% of breakouts into the top 12. In other words, two players, and I think it was Stefan Diggs and Juju Smith-Schuster, finished inside the top 12 for the first time. Normally, we see about four, like I said. But since 2019-2022, we haven't had a down year like that. It's been at or above average. Last year was our first decrease to 33%, where we saw four players break into the, the top 12 for the first time. And just to remind you, we call most of those right. That was CeeDee Lamb, Amon Ross St. Brown, my two highest ranked values of likelihood breakouts into the top 12, followed by Christian Kirk, rather interestingly, and Devontae Smith, finally making good on betting against the BMI market crab. 
Does that mean I don't expect a 25% breakout year in 2023? No, it just means I don't expect an excess of breakouts. So you can expect four breakouts, but I would lean on the pessimistic side of that fourth number. Maybe it'll only be three, maybe it'll only be two. And where we're only talking full season ranks, it's still not the world, but it does establish a fair expectation of what you should expect the top 12 to look like. Essentially, I've been leaning on more established wide receivers, and in fact, the return rate, players who haven't finished inside the top 12, who then finish inside the top 12 again, has actually been lagging at wide receiver, whereas over the last four years, we've seen a heavy repeat rate, a heavy breakout rate, and a lack of returns. So I've been really interested in Michael Thomas and Adam Thielen, and the has-beens of the world at the wide receiver position, even Brandon Cooks. Now, you could argue... DeAndre Hopkins and Keenan Allen as well, but they both finished inside the top 12 relatively recently, so they didn't filter into that list. But I'm also really invested in them, especially on teams that can sustain losing trade value for points value, because that's a fairly even switch on, on middling to above average teams, I think. At the running back position, like everyone knows, we have seen a pathetic amount of breakouts over the last four years. Last two years, we've only seen 25% of the top 12 be breakouts, finishing inside the top 12 for the first time. Again, that's two players inside the top 12, so it's been pretty miserable. Last year, we expected breakouts and it didn't happen, but now we have that rolling over. I literally don't have a year an example of two years with less than 40% of breakouts at the running back position in the top 12 going all the way back to 2008. So this year with Bajon Robinson and maybe even Jameer Gibbs, we're looking to break that trend in 2023. So I've been less interested in the veterans and the has-beens at running back, not because they don't get starts or they aren't good anymore because I don't think that's the way talent works, but because I expect some unusual breakouts. It's not all going to be Bajon Robinson. The last time we had a year with 25%, the next year we had 40, 50% of the top 12 of breakouts, and that was 2010. Now, those breakouts at running back, however, weren't all the Bajon Robinsons of the world. It was Peyton Hillis, Arian Foster, LaShawn McCoy second round pick, Darren McFadden, Rashad Mendinghall, and Ahmed Bradshaw. So we have one undrafted free agent, two seventh round picks in their third and fourth career year, followed by two first round picks in their third season, Darren McFadden, Rashad Mendinghall. So it's not all first year breakouts. Now, again, we do expect Rajon Robinson to do that, but it does make me more interested in the offbeat. And the fact that the second tier of running back in this year's rookie class, or the fact that you have Alexander Madison and Tony Pollard, maybe. I know a lot of people are expecting that one. Or even Rashad White and Damian Pierce, more interesting. Because they haven't hit the top 12 before. They're all young in their second or third career year with different types of draft capital. And I've actually been very interested in those guys as well. Now, there are some has-beens that are just always worth investing in Dynasty. Based on my ranks versus... ADP article. I've been targeting Aaron Jones all offseason. If you go back to one of the very first articles I wrote, looking at what rankings were telling us about who to target, Aaron Jones stands out right away, along with Nick Chubb. Both have been, or has been, perhaps, good before, and are underrated in terms of our expectation going into this season. So I'm very happy to trade second-round picks, or that kind of value for Aaron Jones, or first-round value Plus, for Nick Chubb on a competitive roster that can sustain that level of uh, running back investment. Um, But mostly I've been trying to stack up with names I haven't seen or haven't won a league before because I expect more of those type of players to actually hit this year than average. 
Tight end has been fairly stable in terms of breakouts. We usually get about 32% of the top 12. Not that the top 12 are particularly important for flexibility or dynasty, but it does give me some level of expectation. That's coming off the back of three years where 50% of the players breaking into the, in the top 12 were actually in the top 12. So we saw that regression over the last two years. So I think the tight end position is fairly middling. I wouldn't expect anything wild. Um, but again, we do get about four players, nearly four, let's say three players in the top 12 for the first time at tight end, and we should probably expect that for this season. So Kyle Pitts and Darren Waller and Evan Ingram, all these players who have been doing pretty well should continue to do pretty well. The quarterback position is the other place I have my main take this season. We have we have an incredible quarterback landscape right now. And last year we saw 33% of the top 12 be breakouts for the first time. Again, that's about two players or 2.5 if we can saw one and a half. And I just don't think we should continue to expect more upside at quarterback since the landscape is already so rich. Like our seventh QB in scoring and overall value right now is better than the QB2 for most eras in the NFL. And that's how deep the position is. And we've just saw a huge breakout year with Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence entering the top 12 for the first time. So I think we should have lower expectations for new players entering the top 12. I'm also a little more pessimistic on Justin Fields based on a conversation with Chris Bean, but also just because I'm expecting a little bit of negativity. Someone like Dak Prescott is a little more interesting to me right now than someone like Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Not because I don't like both players, but because Dak is a little bit more stable and value below him in market because they're seeing age as a value in and of itself rather than the range of outcomes. And I expect Dak to be the starting QB in Dallas with good weapons and healthy this season for a long, for about, for at least the next three years, as will travel, as will Tua Tonga Vailoa. And beyond that, I think we're valuing age too much. So, Again, too long didn't read. I'm coming to the end of the offseason. Really interested in Rashad Bateman and Rondon Moore as these lagging, mistimed second and third year players who I think are being underrated, not because of their actual performance, but because we've had so many great breakouts lately and everyone wants to go all in on them. Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave are the two most likely breakouts this year. After that, it's actually Gabriel Davis based on my formula. But adding in a little context and knowledge of who these players are, I'm a little more skittish on Chris Olave because while both established a 20% plus target share, only Garrett Wilson is seeing a drastic situation change this year, which is the, the kind of impetus where a player who's had the full role then goes on to have a top 12 season, usually later in their career, like Amari Cooper in 2023. I think Chris Olave's got a little more, more, bit more cooking to do before we see a higher ceiling from him. Although I do think we should value him very highly in Dynasty and exactly where he is in ADP, I don't expect more from him this season. Garrett Wilson could bring that with us because of the change in situation and the improvements to the offense that Aaron Rodgers could bring. I have also offered cautionary tales in Russell Wilson and that sometimes it takes a little while for that quarterback to actually elevate a team as we expect overall, which is why Russell Wilson this year and the Denver offense has been really interesting with deeper rookie picks like Marvin Mims or Jerry Judy for a lot of people being really interesting. Personally, in the Denver offense, outside of Russell Wilson, I've been interested in Greg DeLuch because he's a breakout player in a position that we should expect. A pretty regular pattern of breakouts and he's entering that prime second window after having a great rookie season relative to the position and that makes me more interested in him in a number of ways because of Dynasty. 
and dynasty value and the trends of how that tends to work over time. All offseason, looking at my ranks versus value outside of hunting for Aaron Jones, I found that Kyler Murray has been my chief value, especially when I look at my ranks versus consensus ranks. So I'm taking a very strong shot on Kyler Murray because I'm disagreeing with a very sharp group of analysts. But I have him as still as a quarterback eight overall, the 11th pick off the board in a super flex. He's 25th overall according to DLF consensus ranks and 21st off the board overall according to DLF ADP. So the consensus ranks are actually lower than ADP and I am higher than the consensus ranks. I think Kyler Murray is entering a period where we devalue him knowing we're going to elevate him when he's back, when he's healthy, and when he's playing again. And remember that he has had consistent top five upside in those circumstances. But I also got Andrew Luck at one point, and there is a significant downside. But where I do like to tear up and this and take advantage of micro markets or what I think is a micro market, I think it's a really strong window to add one of those difference-making QBs where everyone hunts for the new one that I don't actually think is more likely to happen this year at a decreased value. So I've ended up trading for him in a lot of leagues, both competitive and non-competitive. And I'm either going to get clapped or have a great resource on my roster because I took the chance to take advantage of this window. You can make the decision for your own roster or based on the trade available. Outside of that, right now, looking at my consensus ranks versus DLF ranks, I'm also higher on Michael Thomas, Saquon Barkley, Russell Wilson, Justin Ross, who I'll still take that shot on an undrafted free agent, because one of the things we found this offseason is over the last five years, fourth round picks or worse, all the way to undrafted free agents, basically haven't given us any value. The Jalen Talbots, the David Bells, the second tier of wide receivers I'm always really interested in haven't been paying off a lot lately as the main bulk of the expected production has come from players drafted highly. Again, where we've had such a great series of rookie classes. I don't know that regress is the word to use here, but those players do come up and I'm really interested in over the next few years. So a second year Justin Ross or a first-year Keyshawn Boutte or A.T. Perry, Xavier Hutchinson, all of these guys are entering my top, what is this, uh, top 15 values versus DLF consensus as well. Now, again, just converses ADP, so let's not be too sharp because that is a very smart group of players. Most of my values actually end up at the wide receiver position instead of a mix of running back, quarterback, and occasionally tight end. Um, but Kyler Murray still does show up. Outside of that, it's players like Juju Smith-Schuster, Darnell Mooney, these players a little further into their career expecting a little more unusual breakouts and more resurgences or returns than I'm expecting young breakouts into the top 12 this year. Rashad Bateman, Debo Samuel, Rondell Moore, all of these players enter my top 10 values versus ADP and based on my, my ranking sheet. Cooper Cup has been a consistent feature on that list, but as we get closer to the season, as we always expect, those point-scoring vets have started to elevate. So Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, Amari Cooper have started to rise as we get closer to the season, and they've pushed them outside uh, of my has-been target list versus ADP. Over the last three weeks at DLF, my ranks versus value season has taken on a different tone because we pretty much established where we were. I was waiting for the August ADP to do a final positional breakdown. But... We also can look at ranks versus value in a lot of other ways. And what I found is that there are players being drafted and ranked that aren't the reverse. So players that 
DLF consensus analysts are ranking that aren't being drafted and players that are being drafted that aren't being ranked. And I thought this was a good way to look for players that might be more likely on your waiver wire to add to your roster based on ranks or ADP. Both tend to be pretty good sources of value in the season for small spurts or just waiver wire ads before we hear about them in the news. So a few weeks ago, I took to ranked versus ADP series in that direction. And looking at running back, chiefly where we should be looking to burn the back end of our roster depth, what I found is James Robinson, Kenny McIntosh, and Zonovan Knight were all really interesting waiver wire ads according to ranks. They're all being ranked by at least three DLF rankers, but were not being drafted in the first 250 picks overall. So they were more likely to enter the waiver wire. Outside of that, I also found a player that I didn't know about called Jaleel McLaughlin, a running back in Denver, perhaps because of the worries of Juante Worms' return from injury, who was being drafted but not ranked. So he, if he did anything, or Javante Williams did lag in his return from injury at the start of the season, could get some work and immediately be a waiver wire pickup. So sharp drafters were actually taking him very late. I'd literally never heard of his name. There was also Dendrick Pierce, a running back behind CMC and behind Isaiah Pacheco. Again, he's about a 200-pound running back who didn't do too much in college, but college, but did have a workload and drafters were just willing to add depth on that uncertain backfield at the very end of drafts and I thought he was a name worth looking for on waivers as well. When I turned to the wide receiver position, McCall Hardman and Jalen Talbot were the two players being ranked by more than three DLF rankers but not being drafted. McCall Hardman I feel like is a really interesting deep shot. He's an especially in best ball type player but that New York Jeff offense has yet to coalesce around Rodgers and we really don't know where the targets are going. So any kind of proven production at any level and McCall Hardman has weekly upside if he doesn't have season long upside was really interesting to me and a few other right rankers. Jalen Talbot is a player I'd basically given up on based on my don't buy into disappointing sophomore tight ends but when I looked at Mike Haven's rank what I realized is he's basically not being drafted and I found him on the waiver wire in a couple of leagues and I'd rather take that slim 25% chance that a breakout player has a bad rookie season and then has a fantasy relevant season than I would on Jalen Talbot for free than I would on Sky Moore who's going a lot higher in ranks this year. So Jalen Talbot became one of the players I was adding thanks to Mike Havens and his rank at DLF. In terms of wide receivers being drafted but not ranked, Marvin Jones, I remember liking Marvin Jones, and Charlie Jones, another Jones, on the back of the Cincinnati depth chart. I can't think of a reason to add both. I can't see a path to targets for either, although Detroit might be more interesting as there is a need there for more options behind Armand Ross St. Brown. And Jamison Williams' return, or basically his rookie season, is anything from certain. Personally, I think Josh Reynolds is the guy, if it's not Jamison Williams, and he'll continue to provide that, you know, bi-week flex option, um, as he always has, more than have any upside. But I've got Josh Reynolds in a lot of leagues for that reason. But I guess Marvin Jones is a discount version of that, according to ADP. When I turned to the tight end position last week, I didn't expect to find a lot, and I didn't. There are a lot of players who were interested in tight end deep. However, one name did come up that really stuck out to me, and that was Jake Ferguson. He's being ranked by one DLF ranker, two DLF rankers, Eric D and Mike Havens again. Jake Ferguson is a tight end on the Dallas depth chart. While he didn't have a phenomenal rookie season, he did get 22 targets and 174 receiving yards. On that Dallas depth chart, that is a powerful 
receiving offense, I think Jake Ferguson had a relatively okay rookie year. And where tight ends are always a little un- a little weird, and sophomore seasons are really when you- where you want to plug positions that have breakout potential, Jake Ferguson makes a really interesting option. Kate Otten is also a second-year tight end that made that list. He's being ranked but not drafted right now, so you could find him on the waiver wire or add him to a trade for almost nothing. He managed 65 targets in Tampa Bay for 391 receiving yards. I'm a little bit more interested in Jake Ferguson just based on the fact that he is literally waiver wire fodder in a lot of leagues than Kate Otten, who some people are taking shots on, and he has been written up by a few outlets by a few different analysts of this offseason, so Jake Ferguson is a more likely snag, but he is interesting. The other player was Brenton Strange, and I am a principal architect of that, in that I am one of four rankers actually ranking Brenton Strange. I really think Evan Ingram's going to continue to be good in this new Jaguars offense with Trevor Lawrence, but I thought the third round draft capital, or what was it, second round draft capital, spent on Brenton Strange was interesting. His profile wasn't great, but he had some good yards after catch numbers, which is something that a lot of non-productive and then hit tight ends have in common, so I've started to look at it. Brenton Strange doesn't have a huge athletic profile, but he is well-sized for the position, and he's probably more of a blocker, and that's why they invested in him in the draft. But, again, at the very last round or the very last pick of a rookie draft, or late as a waiver wire ad, I think Brenton Strange is an interesting ad at the tight end position that adds more value than expected based on ADP after the 10th round than any other position outside of running back, as we saw last year when I did that breakout or that difference maker, what did we call it, the league winning upside um, research that I did and made a YouTube video about and talked about on this podcast. Strange's yards after catch per reception is 2.8. The average for players that have successful fantasy seasons is 2.2 in college. So, again, he didn't acquire enough volume. He wasn't Mike Gusecki or Pat Faramuth, who were both the tight end ones on the same team that he played in at Penn State, the alma mater of both. But I do think he's relatively interesting um, based on his ADP and ranks in to bear that out. Again, I'm one of four rankers ranking him, so I assume it's not just me. That just about brings us up to date. There's a lot of stuff we've looked at, a lot of different research, a lot of different things we've established that we can continue to move forward from. But for right now, I think that's a too long, didn't read player takeaways heading into 2023. Again, like I said, next week we actually have a phenomenal guest lineup. And not that we ever don't, like I guess we're all great. But uh, next week should be pretty special. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Um, thanks for checking out The Crossroads. Sorry for this kind of impromptu non- scripted episode but just before the season i want to change it up get our ducks in order start the season off with a great interview next week and then move on to our off our in-season content and let me know what you think let me know what you want to hear more about on the dynasty crossroads i really appreciate you checking it out and i'll see you again next week yeah Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking the
their brains, got their in lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that eye, I like mortar, peak grinding numbers like molars. I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the place, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the place, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.